Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 270 of Dogcast Radio. Later on, I'll be talking to entertaining author and dog owner Mark Scott. Well, Brody is a seven-year-old Australian Shepherd. Uh, that I got from an Australian Shepherd rescue. And he was six months old when, when, when I got him. And we bonded immediately in the car on the way home. And because uh, Aussies will pick their human and he picked me and I picked him and we've, you know, we've, we bond every day. Before that, we have award-winning clinical dog behaviorist, Rachel Rogers. Hear why and how she's won one award for the third year running. In this interview, Rachel talks about the most common issues she sees and how her team of rehabilitation trainers and she are helping dogs and owners live happier, healthier lives and the New Year's resolution you can make to enhance your dog's life. Hi, Julie. Lovely to catch up with you again. Absolutely lovely to talk to you again. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Because I I love your training. I've seen you work. It's like watching magic happen. It really is. Oh, thank you. It is because you could you communicate to the dogs, and I've seen you work with. You know, we worked on an article, didn't we? And it was sort of I can't teach my dog X Y Z, and the the little pug that you worked with. I was going to say the little stubborn pug. Yes, yes. <laughs> the one that they said could not be trained. Yeah, she wasn't stubborn. With, I mean, and the minute you got your nice treats out, she was like, "Oh, oh, oh, what's?" The, and that, we were away. And yeah, yeah. It was, that was really, really interesting. So, um, yeah, that's perhaps we ought to chat about that another time because that was really interesting. That whole article was sort of, yeah. when, when you meet people, they go, oh, my dog couldn't learn that. And you think, mm, I think they could. Yeah. Do you know, it's one of the best things, isn't it, about working with owners and their dogs. What for me it is anyway, is when you show them how good their dog can be yeah. and how excited people get. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not, you're the expert, obviously. I'm not saying I'm any good at all, but I, you know, I've been there because I, I went to, um, agility with, with Buddy, with Lee Gibson, who is obviously a master of, of uh, agility. And I'd taken treats because that, that's what I knew my dog's motivation was, was treats. And I turned up with my treats and he said, have you got a tug toy? And I was like, no, I've got treats. What do you want a tug toy? So Lee Gibson, again, magic in action, just got Buddy to do all kinds of things with the lure of like t- playing tug with his lead. His lead was like a rope lead. And he said, oh, I'm going to use this as a tug toy. And it taught me so much because I was like, I, I think he was only about 20. I think he was, he was early 20s anyway. And I was 40. And I was like, come on then, sunshine. Come on, do your best. <laughs> I, I said to him afterwards, I thought, you know, come on, sunshine, do your best then. And he did. And he got Buddy to do all kinds of things. And that really taught me that just be open. Let the dog show you what they can do because you don't know until you've tried. No, and do you know one of the things with that? Let the dog decide what is rewarding. Yes. Because I have a lot of clients who come to me, treats their work. He's not interested in treats, but actually they're trying things the dog doesn't want. And it's a bit like if you tried to pay me in stamps. Yes, it's legal tender. I don't want them. Thank you very much. Send money to my bank account. <laughs> that is a great, that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you just got to, and I mean, we'll get onto the meat of the interview in a minute, but just, just think about that. I used to think that our dog now, Mischief, uh, Gemma Spitzkai, and she's like a little Pomeranian. And I used to think, oh, all our other dogs have liked treats and boxes and Mischief doesn't like treats and boxes. How really, really strange. Then, duh, the one day I just happened to give the treats to her in a smaller box and she ripped it apart and she got the treats out and I was just like, 
You stupid woman. All this time, you have been giving Labrador-sized boxes to this little German Spitzkind who's going, I can't um, get my teeth through this. And, I, you know, and she, oh, yeah. And it was like light bulbs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, now, if I give her light boxes, oh, she loves it. She adores it. Any, any little box that you hold, she's like, ooh, has that got treats in it? You know, really. Into, but yeah, that really taught me again, look at it from the dog's point of view. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, dear. So, well, now let's look at it from your point of view, because... I mean, you are doing fantastically and it's wonderful to see you doing well because um, Nose to Trail, which is your business, your behavioural service, you've scooped Dog Train of the Year Award for the third year running. And to put this, this is, for the third year running, I'll give it, give the full details from the Cooperative Livewire Prestige Awards. You've only been going about three years, haven't you? So every year. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Because I remember the first year that I won it, I started in the March and I won it in the July and I was wow. a bit like, oh, <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've been a dog trainer a lot longer yes. than that. And yeah, I do yeah. think probably clients from, you know, the charity that I used to work to through beforehand, I think it was probably down to them I won it the first year. But, yeah, it's. I think now I'll sulk. If anybody wins it next year, that isn't me. I don't think I'll go <laughs> oh yes you'll be like there oh right okay. you'll have to practice you know the face when you practice in the mirror and you practice your, your oh I've won the Oscar face you'll have to pr- practice the face oh yeah well deserved to somebody else. The face. <laughs> yes I didn't win yes <laughs> oh that's amazing you know, though, I, it's so long as it's a positive reinforcement yeah. like reward based ethical trainer of some description that's what's key because that's what we need isn't it yeah. you know we should celebrate everybody's success on that front because we've got to get more dogs trained in that way yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I mean I totally agree with you and I mean we should say now you are reward based you are kindness based you are and and science based I mean you you, you tell me your because you you I, I was looking at your qualifications you got a master's in anim- you, you do animal it, behavior yeah 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 so I, I started with a psychology degree. So I did my undergrad at Durham um, and I did Bachelor of Science of Psychology. And that was all like I chose to do animal learning and cognition. So I did that throughout my degree. And that was really what pushed me down the route of wanting to work with like animals and animal training. Yeah. Um, and then I did my master's in animal behavior and welfare from Newcastle Uni. Um, and then because obviously, like we, we were talking about, Whitby, you're working with the people, not just the dogs. Yeah. I then did a teaching qualification at Wolverhampton Uni because you need that ability to communicate with people as well. So, yeah, I did those those three. So it is very much kind of science based. And that's what I particularly love. I work very closely with vets due to the links with pain and health conditions. And, you know, reading vet notes, if you don't have an understanding of some scientific stuff, you're not going to understand vet notes, yeah. vet medical histories for dogs. You're just not they look like gibberish half the time anyway so you do need that scientific background to be able to do that yeah yeah which which is lovely I I love interviewing you because it's all the right stuff it's the kind of information you want people to know it's going to make the dogs happy perfect love it so what's the biggest issue that dog owners seek your help with and um, is there a theme or does it just totally vary but what's the biggest issue you see the, the biggest issue that I'm working with, well, there's two really, two main ones. Um, and one is the one that I've ended up taking on staff to help me with because it's that much of an issue, is the reactivity side. So yeah. people maybe define reactivity in different ways, but to me what it looks like in a dog is barking, lunging, snarling, pulling on the lead, those yeah. kind of responses. 
for reactivity. So I see a lot of dogs for reactivity cases, which I've now hired a, a team of three ladies to help me with those cases to run safe group classes for those dogs to learn to comfortably be around other dogs again. And then the other thing um, that I get a lot of cases for, and it might be because I specialize in it, but it might also be to do with the COVID pandemic is separation related behavior problems or what people tend to call separation anxiety. Um, I, they're my two biggest things that I work on. Yeah. So those are the reactivity and the separation anxiety are problems that really deeply affect the dog's emotional welfare, don't they? Yeah. And the humans. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly see in two two kind of ways with that. Certainly the dogs are really struggling. A lot of the time, I think with reactive dogs, people see them as being naughty or being difficult. Yeah. Um, and the human can quite often feel very embarrassed. Um, you know, people are crossing the street. You know, clients have said to me, people avoid me. They don't, you know, they don't want to come over. And some of these dogs are actually friendly. And that's what's causing the reactivity because they're wanting to go and see all the other dogs and other people. And whilst it looks outwardly unpleasant, actually, it's frustration of I just want to come and say hi um, and that's that's the difficulty so you've got that and that you know even if well we all know don't we if we're frustrated about stuff maybe at work you know you're trying your hardest but you can't do it for I don't know pay reasons or whatever it is it's hard it is it's draining um, but the dogs who are fearful and that's causing the reactivity are struggling all the time you know they're seeing these triggers whether it's people whether it's dogs that are scaring them and they are worried. And for some of the dogs that we work with, you know, it's a chronic level of stress. You know, it's really impacting them and it's having long term health consequences for the dogs as well. Being exposed to that high level of stress the whole time, which is just it's so sad when you think about the fact it's actually physically making them unwell yeah. because they're that distressed by what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And then the humans, you've got the embarrassment. But then also with the separation cases, the, they're just so stuck you know, they really do feel like their world has been torn apart because if they go out, they feel horrifically guilty. If they stay in, they feel trapped. You know, some of my clients, especially if they live alone with a dog with a separation issue, they can't do anything. You know, they can't remember the last time they went for dinner or coffee, even just with the friends. They haven't been to family occasions. They, you know, they're working from home. They can't go to the shops. They order their shopping in. You know, it's awful. You know, they have no life outside of the dog anymore, which yeah. is so sad. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, you see these things, I mean, you see them in real life, but I see these things on television and people put up with and live with, you know, an amazing length of time, an amazing debilita debilitating conditions and situations that you think, oh, if you could get a good, and I'm not necessarily talking about the TV, what <laughs> um, behaviourist or trainers, but a good behaviourist in who could actually observe your dog and tell you what's really going on and help you change the situation so the dog can cope. And it would be solved, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think the important thing with that is good because yeah. we, well, you know, we've talked about it before. It's an unregulated industry and very sadly, there are people who well-meaningly, I do think these people are well-meaning, they're trying to help the dogs. But if they don't have that level of education and knowledge behind them, some of the things they are doing is actually making the dog's behavioral problem worse. Yeah. Um, I actually had a, a new client recently um, where there was a prime example of that. So it's a really young dog, um, little cockapoo, who got horrifically attacked by a much larger dog when they were a very tiny puppy oh. to the point that, you know, lots of surgery, broken bones, 
extensive. This isn't like a, a dog squabble. This was a really bad dog attack. Um, and the dog has a lot of trauma. Yeah. It's very, very scared, very fearful of other dogs now. Understandably so. You know, Absolutely. if you go through something like that when you're a tiny puppy, yeah. you're going to form this association that dogs are now scary, dogs are yeah. terrified. Oh. And the poor owners, really well-meaningly, have sought help and they were advised by friends and family, go to this residential dog trainer. Um, they work wonders on our dog. And yes, from a training viewpoint, it now looks like in the videos they were sent that the dog was walking lovely. But what they didn't know was the type of methods because they, they weren't aware. You know, they, yeah, they're first time yeah. dog owners. They were, you know, completely innocently sent their dog off to this place. And what they did was use one of those really skinny um, slip leads, really choking the dog and checking the dog every time it reacted to other dogs. And sure enough, as soon as they've got the dog back from this residential kind of doggy boot camp and taken the slip lead off again, the dog is back to reacting. But none of that training has ever addressed the underlying emotional state of the dog. The yeah. dog is still terrified of other dogs. All we did was suppress the reaction yeah. by putting this horrible piece of equipment on it. And people are, you know, everyone I think out there is trying to do their best by their dogs. But yes. if we don't have this level of education or understanding, and sadly, social media is not helping with that, yeah. Um, yeah. because we've got people who use these outdated, inappropriate methods on dogs, who've got millions of followers on social media, and so you think if you're not a dog trainer and you haven't got it, you think you're doing the right thing, don't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. And it's so sad because it's actually making these dogs worse. Because now what we've done is we've gone, oh, you look at a dog, you feel pain again. You look at a dog, you feel pain again. Yeah. So we've actually made it worse rather than better, which is so sad. It, it so is. And, and you're right. It's a minefield. I mean, I when I first came across mixed training, I can remember just messaging you and going, this this is bad, right? <laughs> And just checking, yeah. you know, because I was like, I think it's bad, but I, I'm just going to make sure. And you, people dress things. I mean, I think I do think there are people, dog owners want the best. I think there's some maybe misled trainers who think they're doing the best. I do think there may be cynical people out there who maybe are just trying to get some. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know the motivation, but it, it is very, very worrying that bad methods are being used and I always think like I'm frightened very very frightened of wasps and bees now I could you know particularly if I had a um a, you know a collar that was going to shock me kind of thing I could hold it together and get through the bees and the wasps and not freak out or react I wouldn't be happy I would be in absolute turmoil but I could but like you say I would still be frightened of bees and wasps I'd still choose to flap around and run away <laughs> and react I wouldn't be very happy. And I think that's what that's the horrible thing. That's what we're doing to our dogs. We're intensifying it, if anything, aren't we? If we close them down like that, it's, it's just, it's crazy. The problems that we're seeing then, do you think, well, how much do you think they've been um, caused by the pandemic? Are we still seeing? I know that there were problems emerging during the pandemic that we were with our dogs a lot, you know, and, and they didn't get a, a normal um, experience some of the time. Are we still seeing the impact of that? I think we are, yeah. I think certainly in terms of the age of dogs that myself and my team are seeing, they're yeah. still that pandemic puppy, quote unquote, generation. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've got some younger ones coming through now as well who were born post-pandemic. But what I think we're seeing with those dogs is actually we've bred dogs because of the huge 
increasing. Everybody wanted a dog. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be trapped in the house. I'm going to be on my own. We, it, as a nation, I think generally the, the breeding was really inappropriate during the pandemic. Yes. We bred yeah. dogs together that shouldn't have been bred together. We were breeding for the wrong reasons. There was a lot of people just seeing it as a, you know, money-making scheme yes. rather yes. than doing it with the best interests of the dog at heart and we're still seeing the knock-on effect of that so certainly we're seeing a lot more dogs who you would probably deem as being from like a puppy farm Mm -hmm. or a puppy mill who've been raised in like really inadequate conditions which is then leading to them to have behavioral issues as well so I do still think we're going to see that and I think we're probably going to see that for a while to come because there is just that breeding of dogs who really you know ethical breeders wouldn't be choosing to breed from yeah yeah and I mean, that's a, I mean, we could do a whole other interview on that. But one of the things I, um, that amazed me was like a good breeder, you know, we talk, talked about separation anxiety. A good breeder will have got the puppies used to being, you know, all together, first of all, then in perhaps groups of three and two and some time alone and put the foundations in place so that hopefully we don't end up with separation anxiety. And that, that, when I first realized that, I was like, wow, that was mind blowing. That, that early on your breeder can be setting you up for to avoid separation anxiety yeah and some aspects of the reactivity stuff as well because yes they're so young they can't go outside because they're not fully vaccinated but you can be playing them sounds and i've seen some amazing breeders who are and you know i i don't breed i i don't have pedigree dogs i've got little rescues you know that and but they're still doing amazing things you know they're playing sounds of fireworks even if the puppies are born in you know august and they're not going to hear them they're playing alarm clocks they're putting different textures down they're doing things like free work with the puppies and getting them used to all these sights sounds and smells of the outside world so that they can cope better and they're a more resilient adult dog whereas inexperienced breeders maybe these backyard breeders or sometimes you know accidental litters yes, yeah. people don't necessarily have the knowledge that that is required and just how formative those weeks are when they're such young puppies and how much that will determine how that dog is like for yeah. their lifetime yeah no it's not it's not people sometimes say oh get a puppy it's easier than a rescue dog you're getting a clean slate you're not getting a clean slate because so much happens developmentally in those early early stages yeah yeah absolutely absolutely now having said that if you've adopted or bought however the dogs come to you if you've got a dog that has these problems it's never too late is it you seek help help because it is there isn't it you can help your dog yeah i mean one of my favorite ever quotes that i am i heard when i was at a dog training conference once was the fabulous ken ramirez Hmm. who who started life a bit like me working with kind of exotic animals before moving into kind of domestics and he said to me all behavior is modifiable. Mm-hmm. And that is true. To what extent it's modifiable, that's yeah. where we have the difficulties. And, you know, sometimes when we look at when it comes down to kind of how much time and effort and, and the safety aspects of what is required, sometimes that isn't going to reach a level where that dog is able to stay in its current home, for example. But all behavior is modifiable, regardless of the dog's age. You know, I've got some clients who are 12, 14 years of age. It's not too late. You can still do things to help that dog live a happier life. You absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful to hear that even at 12, 14, whatever age, we can, yeah, we can still help them. Oh, never too late for them. Never too late for us. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it always strikes me that, as we've said, some of these problems, a little bit of thought, 
particularly a little bit of thought from the, the person like you that knows <laughs> and can understand what's going on. So I know that other issues can be sort of like meal times. So what would your advice be if someone's having problems with meal times, like whether the dog's bothering them or I don't know, jumping on their lap or barking, whatever? How can we make sort of I'm thinking these common things like meal times or pulling on the lead. What's your advice for what's a rather than sitting there sort of no, no, no and, and, and it all being stressful for everybody, how can we set our dogs up for, for happy meal times? Yeah, you know, when we're eating, when the, the humans eating. Yeah, I think it's about managing those expectations, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So I think one of the things that is really worth everybody keeping in mind is always think about the future and are you going to be happy with your dog doing that in the future? So if you have someone and we've all been there and we've got a friend or family member who goes, oh, it's fine and just sneaks yes. them a bit of food at the table, <laughs> you're then setting the expectation for the dog that actually if you come and loiter near the table, you're likely to get fed. Yeah. Someone will feed you. And once dogs are opportunistic, you know, if one time out of 12, somebody feeds them a piece of toast at the breakfast table, they're going to be there begging every single day, oh, yeah. expecting that piece of toast. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they're going to be. So think about those expectations. If you're okay with it, and it's your own home, it's your rules, you decide. But if yeah. you think you're okay with that, then fine, you do that when they're a puppy and you manage those expectations. You've set that up. That is what you're going to deal with as a consequence throughout their life. That's not to say you can't change it, but you're going to have to expect that the dog is yeah. going to beg and want to do those things. If you're thinking, do you know what? We're going to have Christmas dinner. We're going to have the grandparents round. We're going to have young kids round. There's going to be loads of people and really exciting food on the table. I don't want the dog to be coming in and begging and embarrassing me in front of the family. Then don't allow that. You know, yeah. don't ever set up that expectation for the dog. So, you know, for me, I always have very clear kind of the dogs are fed in a certain area of the house and they can be quite easily fed at the same time as when I'm having my yes. meal. So if they're in the kitchen with their little place mats down that they have to keep the floor nice and their bowls or their licky mats or whatever it is, and I'm in the dining room, they are a distance away, but they're also getting something nice. So there's less yeah. of a need for them to want to come over and steal my steak or whatever it is I'm eating. <laughs> so you've got to really manage those expectations. And all, and that is really prevalent when dogs are young. Because yeah. just because when they're cute and they're little, as a puppy, you go, oh, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> if they're going to turn into a 52 kilogram slobbery thing, like one of the ones I've got in my class at the minute, <laughs> you probably don't want to allow that because the big slobbery head will be on your dining room table. Yeah. <laughs> so think about, you know, what house, how big is your dog going to be when they're older? You know, what house big are they going to be? How, you know, what are their behaviours going to be like? And if you don't want them to do it, don't do it from when they're a puppy. Yeah. Set up a clear routine dogs learn a lot in pictures and patterns so if it becomes i don't know the microwave dings which means your meal is ready and you're going to sit on the sofa and eat a tv dinner but that's when they get a con put in their crate out the way that's what they're going to start to associate ding of the microwave i'll run to my crate yeah. and get my con and then again they're separate and away from you but it's that future planning isn't it yes that we don't we don't always do that i think we just get a dog and you know we're in the moment oh we've got this dog it's amazing and we're not thinking about what behaviours we're setting the dog up to do in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do think it's, it's the more I talk to trainers and behaviourists, the more I think this, that just a little bit of planning, a little bit of forward thought will just ease that situation. Whether it's you eat up to a table so they can't jump on you or you put a gate yeah. in or, you know. Management. Things, yeah, management. You, you tidy up more or you, you walk them at a different time or whatever it is. 
just that little bit of thought and we're not great at that humans we just want you know we want this to be easy we want it to be easy now let's just you know I didn't think about this that's and the other thing I think is I'm very bad at like I've gone to classes I've done the training I'm not doing training now I'm just sitting watching television why you know and you know that but the dog is learning all the time and and as you said they learn really quickly you know um, yeah they don't just learn for 45 minutes six o'clock on a Wednesday evening when you're in the village hall (laughs) very sadly that is not how it works yeah yeah oh absolutely I mean one thing our, our mischief has learned is because we've we've taught her if you find something on the floor, you know, we will give you something better. You, you don't yes. eat it. We will give you something better. But now the little monkey, she will go and find like a toffee paper or anything. She will just go and find it, present it to you and sit there and go, you have to get out of there and give me treats now. And you can be really tired. You still have to go, good girl, well done. Yes, I'll get some, you know, dog chockey buttons or whatever. <laughs> and she's a little monkey. You know she's going to run off and find something else and, so we, oh, you've just turned her into a womble. She's doing good yeah. public service there, tidying everything up. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's definitely it. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, until we re- I, sp- I suppose we taught her it well, but, you know, it's, it can be a bit. Yeah, no, exactly. And wouldn't you far rather that than she yes. was inhaling stuff or guarding stuff? Absolutely. No, absolutely. You know, when you think about what other behaviours we could be having in those circumstances, I see this a lot with spaniels. You know, if people have got a spaniel and, you know, they have a tendency, they'll find any smelly sock. And they're holding it and then people chase them around the house or they take the sock off the dog. And next thing you know, the dog's at the vet because it's eaten another sock because they've learned, well, if I want to stop you from taking this, what the only thing I can do is eat it and swallow it. And then that makes them ill. So actually, I'd far rather my spaniel clients going around the house, finding all the dirty socks that are missing, the one single socks that's behind the sofa or whatever it is, and bringing it. And my clients are telling them how amazing they are taking it off them and doing a lovely, yeah. oh, you've retrieved that for me, oh, aren't you good, fabulous. You know, yeah, yeah have a sweet I'd much rather that. Absolutely. I have been that that mad dog owner running around the house after my Labrador and the others going, come here, you little swine, bring me back the whatever. Oh, but yes, I, I learned better, but you, it's, um, it's a steep learning curve. <laughs> yeah, and that's it, isn't it? You can always learn more. Like, I yes. do not profess to say that I know every single thing about dogs, you know. I've been working with them for 12 years and I still learn new stuff all the time. Oh, brilliant. Time. But that, I think that's a perfect attitude. The, the, the day you go, that's it, I know the lot. No, forget it. Because whatever the subject is, you know, forget it. Yeah. Now, saying that, you, as you were saying, you, you've taken some colleagues on and um, they are rehabilitation dog trainers. So tell me about that. What is a rehabilitation dog trainer? Yeah, so they're, they're a team of trainers that I've worked with in other circumstances. They've, each of the three ladies who work with me have got their own specialities that they work with. Um, so Mel is my puppy specialist. specialist. Um, she tends to take all of our dogs on that are under six months. You know, that that's her thing. I, I get quite jealous at times. I mean, she does send <laughs> the cutest pictures after her session. Then I've got Hannah, who's actually a vet nurse. She's a registered vet nurse. And her speciality is kind of cooperative care. So dealing with dogs who maybe need help at the groomers or the vets. And because she's an actual vet nurse, that's that's such a bonus for my clients. Mm. Because if they are a reactive dog who can't go to the vets because the waiting room is full of other dogs, there is a lot of stuff that Hannah can do with them in the home. So not only can she train them for things like having a blood draw or having their ears cleaned or whatever it is, but, you know, maybe if they just need their routine vaccinations, if the vets are OK with that, their vet practice, Hannah can do them in the home to reduce wow. that level of stress for the dog. So, you know, that's really? a huge draw mm. for us. It's a massive skill set for us to have yeah. um, within the team. 
And then I've got Vicky, who I actually worked with years ago when I was a, a lecturer in canine behavior. And Vicky works primarily with our reactive dogs. So our dogs who are barking, lunging, pulling on the lead, that's the dog she loves. You know, that's her specialty. She loves to really unpick that and work with those dogs. Um, so she runs our small group reducing reactivity classes where they can have safe, controlled exposure to yeah. other dogs without the risk of an off-lead dog coming over and setting back all of their training. Oh, um, so the rehab trainers work alongside me. So I'm a clinical animal behaviorist. I, you know, I'm registered with the APBC, the Association of Pet Behaviour Counselors, um, but the girls are dog trainers. So they, some of them want to be behaviourists and they shadow me on cases, um, but they are trainers rather than behaviourists. So they don't do the consults. They don't do the nitty gritty reports and all of that kind of side of things. You know, some of them don't yeah. want to. You know, it's not it's not for everybody to have to do that much admin as well. Um, but they are able, you know, I give them the overview of the dogs. They communicate with me and it just means that we can help more dogs. Yes. which is so good Brilliant. because and then having these people who can take bits of stress out of the situation for our behavior cases is just fabulous yeah really really is so helpful yeah I can imagine I can I, we've had a reactive dog and it, it must be just so wonderful to, to just be enveloped with the team and just go right okay we've got you we can sort it out don't worry that would be wonderful yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I had such a, a lovely email actually just just before we we joined this to to speak today, um, and they had a behaviour case with me. Then they've been going to Vicky's reducing reactivity classes, and now they go on walks with Hannah. So Hannah does these like small group walks in real life situations. So they've kind of graduated through each step, yeah. and um, they sent me a email entitled Ellis Wynn exclamation mark <laughs> and said that this morning they went on a walk with another dog wow. a dog they've seen regularly they were able to let them sniff this was a really really reactive standard poodle they've allowed them to sniff they've gone on a walk together so so proud um they were walking side by side taking treats and looked like they were just having a lovely walk together and then they thanked the whole team at the bottom of the email and i just thought that's why teamwork yes really does make the dream work doesn't it yeah because yeah. i think there's a lot of competition in the dog training world and actually, the, the girls who work for me, they're all self-employed dog trainers. They, they're contracted with me. And, you know, we could have gone, well, we're all in the same local area. We all work with dogs. You know, I don't like you. You know, let's, let's yeah. you know, you're stealing my dogs, whatever. But actually, we've gone, you know, well, let's all work together for the benefit of the dogs. And yeah. that is what I love so much about the little team that we're yeah. building. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That's That's really nice. As you say, it's... It's a win for the dogs. It's a win for you guys, but it's a win for the dogs, isn't it, as well? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. We know that training our dogs is important, but it can be fun as well as being... I always think that, you know, when you think of basic training, and I did, I made this, this mistake with Buddy, and I, I could tell because when I got certain toys out, like the um, alley-oop, um, which is just a target stick, um, and I'd get that out and I'd see him going to, oh, this is going to be fun. And if I was doing, you know, maybe sometimes a class or but basic training and I could see him be a bit like, oh, OK. And then he got that from me. And so I learned from that and I try and be more upbeat with everything and everything's going to be fun. But again, if just, you know, your basic training isn't for you, um, there's activities that you can do with your dog. So I'm thinking... New Year coming, 2024, oh my goodness. Um, would a good New Year's resolution be start an activity with your dog? Do you know, I think it absolutely is. And I mean, one of the things that I do with a lot of my behaviour case clients 
is I get them to do something that is more enjoyable and more fun alongside. So whilst the main thing they're doing might be sub-threshold training for separation anxiety, which I'm not going to lie to you because it's boring. You know, you're going in and out of a door. You're then building up how long you're outside the other side of a door. You know, one of my clients, bless her, I mean, it's incredible. She's up to two and a half hours of being able to be out of the house now when she could never, ever leave on her own. But she's like spending two and a half hours in her car watching an iPad to check that her dog's coping okay. And she went, well, now that we're up to these longer durations, I can't do it five nights a week, Rachel. No, I understand that. It's, you know, don't do it five nights a week. Do it two nights a week and do some little bits on the other days. So you need to make those things more manageable. But I also think whether it's obedience or whether it's behavioral training, people need to do something fun to reignite that love for their dogs again. And that's partly why I love teaching the scent work stuff that I do. So the pet trailing and the man trailing. There is actually like behavioral recovery aspects to that as well. So if you've got a dog who's scared of people, the dog is actually benefiting. But it's fun. It's fun for the human and for the dog. And it is we were saying weren't we at the beginning seeing something that people love like that moment of kind of my dog just did that you know that realization yes. that actually your dog is incredible they have this amazing sense of smell they've achieved this incredible thing just really does help it does help if you know if you've got to the stage a woman said to me on the phone today she said i'm at the stage where i hate my dog you know oh, and that yeah, is the sad yeah. reality you know if they if they're kicking off all the time and that you're really draining on your life, then actually having something where you see them having fun and you have fun can just take that edge off again, can't it? Make you fall back in love with your dog, which which I think is so important. So, yeah, I mean, I do pet trailing and man trailing, so missing person and missing dog search, you know, but just for fun, a big game of hide and seek. I've done a few things with my dog, Maisie. You know, I don't need to do that. She's a well-trained dog. But actually, as a dog trainer, it was lovely. Yeah. to just go and be a student again and be there and just have fun with her. And, you know, she's 11. She's a little old pug. You know, she's not going to be running around in agility course, but Hooper's is lower level. She was having to use her brain to problem solve. Like it was so, she was like a puppy again. Yeah. So yeah. excited running around the barrels and going through the hoops and the tunnels. And things. Yeah. It was so cute. Oh. So, so cute. So I do, I think that's a lovely way of doing it, isn't it? Mm. And you've just yeah. got to be a bit better maybe than I am with the gym. And if you take out a membership or sign up to a dog trainer course, actually go yes. rather than going, well, I, I am a member. I'm a member of the <laughs> yes. team. I bought the <laughs> videotape. Yes. Well. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, again, dogs are great motivation for, well, for exercising. But I bet they're great motivation just to keep going to the training class, you know, just that the dog is having fun. Just, you know, yes. you want them to have fun. And I, going back to that, that person who said to you, you know, I hate my dog, that... I think we've all had seconds, moments of that kind of, oh, Absolutely. what are you doing? And that's such a brave thing for them to say. Um, yeah. I know, yes, it, it's not ideal. It's not where we want them to be. It's not where we want anybody to be. But And it's exactly what I'm here for, isn't yes, it? It's absolutely. my job to get them to the stage where they don't feel like that anymore. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah absolutely. And I mean, and sometimes I think it's because we're not communicating to the dog or you know we're not setting them up to succeed and and it's the situation you hate you know but it just it does feel like why are you doing this to me and that stress that pressure we don't need that and as you say you can take that away for us which is is brilliant perfect so and sometimes what you need as well maybe because maybe you know activities dog sports and stuff i think they're good fun you know i I like doing this the stuff with my dogs but for some people actually what they need is just a supportive group 
You know, yes, yes. they might not be. I have a lot of clients who are maybe that bit older and they wouldn't be running around an agility course. I mean, I wouldn't, but they certainly wouldn't. You know, they, they maybe don't have the strength to hold their dog on a pet trail. Yeah. You know, if, if they've got a dog who, who could pull and be quite strong, they wouldn't manage that. But what they need is a place, a safe place to talk about, you know, my dog has been difficult today. Yes. Do you know, yeah. I'm at my wit's end. Those things we were all, you know, we were just saying, you know, those things we all feel it at times. But, and if you've got friends and family members who don't have dogs or have always had this dog that's seemingly as well behaved, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. not going to feel like you can open up and talk to them about it. So actually, for some people, maybe it's not an activity. Maybe what they need is like a, a support group. Yes. Um, and that that's part of what I do in my membership, actually, is like we do coffee morning once a month and we do a Q&A on an evening um, and we'll have a Christmas quiz and, and things like that. You know, and it's a social group. But a lot of the dogs aren't social, so we're not meeting up in person in a big group with all of our dogs together. But they support each other. And I know they've swapped mobile numbers. I know they've got little WhatsApp groups going on outside of the main membership where they just, you know, check in and say, like, you know, Buddy did this today and Hugo did that. And, like, they can just have that safe place to vent and moan. Because sometimes you do need that. Oh, yeah. You do need that. Because it can be hard, can't it, for couples? yeah as well and the dog and the dog having behavioral issues can then start to cause issues within the relationship and then you know what you're blaming each other and whatever so sometimes you do need to take that outside of the home and you know to someone else and just have that safe place to moan definitely we all need it i can remember early days i'd campaigned and begged to get a dog got the dog and 10 days in i'm thinking oh i this this is constant vigilance and I'm just cleaning up pee and poo and he, you know he hates me clearly you know he went on we went on to have 50 wonderful years together um both the husband and the dog and I <laughs> but you know those early days 10 days in I was like I can't say this to Mr Doncaster I can't say yeah yeah because I was the one who wanted the dog yes yeah and to, yeah. to have somebody and else go are a real thing yeah yeah, which you don't think, but it's going to be wonderful. I finally got this puppy. It's going to it's be the best time. They're so cute. They're so lovely. No, they're hard work. Yeah. They are hard yeah. work. And it is okay to say you are struggling with your yeah. dog. It is okay to say, I am sleep deprived and I don't want to clean up the 19th wee of the day. Yeah. And then they bite me anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. Oh, absolutely. Been. Absolutely. Where can people find out more about you online? Yeah, so I'm nose to trail. Mm -hmm. So it's trail with an R, not tail, because of the scent work stuff that I do, the pet trailing and the man trailing. So I'm on all social medias. I'm most active on TikTok for my sins. (laughs) So I am always on TikTok doing little rants about different bits of dog training and behavior. (laughs) Um, But my website's there as well. And I do work virtually with people. So, you know, you don't have to be in the Shropshire Cheshire area. If anybody's struggling, do reach out. I'm happy to help. I could listen to Rachel all day long. And in fact, I have listened to her quite a bit because you can also hear her in episode 204 and 211 of Dogcast Radio, to which we have links at dogcastradio.com, as well as links to Rachel's Nose to Trail website and her TikTok. I've interviewed Rachel many times for input to articles as well, and I love her attitude, so many thanks, Rachel. I'd love to see any photos or video of any activities you start or continue with your dog in 2024. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Coming up now, author Mark Scott. I reviewed Mark's book, First Date, which is part of his Drunk Log series, more of which later in the interview. And I should warn you that in connection with these books, we discuss mental health issues, including suicide. When I reviewed the book, I joked 
that my only quibble was that there wasn't a dog in it, to which Mark replied that he does in fact have a dog. So as ever, let's start by talking about dogs. Well, Brody is a seven-year-old Australian Shepherd uh, that I got from an Australian Shepherd rescue. Yeah. Um, and he was a he was six months old when, when when I got him, and we bonded immediately in the car on the way home. And because Aussies will pick their human, yeah. And he picked me, and I picked him, and we've you know we've we bond every day. So he's my running buddy. Um, you know, I, when he was younger, I haven't done a marathon for a few years, but last time I trained for one, he did the. 20 mile day with me. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, I put him in the car at 15 miles. Cause I thought, that, is it too far for him? It wasn't. He still <laughs> wanted to play. He still wanted to play Chuck it when, <laughs> when I was done. I'm like, yeah, I'll oh. throw the ball for you, buddy. But, uh, he's a great dog. Yeah. Bless him. Now I've just seen him and he's gorgeous and he's so affectionate with you. Isn't he? He's licking you and cuddling him. He's, he's um, can I always think that, the, the the pastoral breeds, the shepherding breeds are sort of they're they're very serious and sensible and sort of want to get on and, and be business like. But actually he's re- he was he reminded me of my Labradors. He's really soft and lovely with you, isn't he? It, with me, yeah. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> leery of people on the street. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me to too. Like, I can identify your dog. I'm like, well, you can try. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's, remember the Peter Sellers from yes. uh, <laughs> <laughs> where he says does your dog bite no <laughs> yes, <laughs> i thought you said not. your dog did not bite it is not my dog <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> oh yeah oh but i'm dreadful for that actually i'm always going up to people and saying you know can i can i say hello to the dog but i do respect the dog if if the dog looks as if it's saying, I don't want to meet you, then I, I do respect that. Even when the person's going, yes, come here, Fido, and kind of dragging them over. I'm going, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I don't think they want to meet me. And that's that's OK. But, yeah, I think that's that's an important point. And it respect the dog's right to say, no, thanks. You yeah. know, that's, I, that's... Um, I've trained him. So I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I, I live in the downtown area. Yeah. So we run down to the Ohio River, uh, which borders the southern part of the state and the city. And then I take him off the leash. There's a nice park down there where we can run for a couple miles. Super. And and he gets to do his thing. Yeah. I joke around with people. So there's one point at which he always loves to sniff and smell. I keep running and then he'll catch up to me. (laughs) And and if there's anybody out there, you know, I'll look back and he'll be running at me. I'm like, is that dog still chasing me? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and then people start freaking out because like, wait a minute the dog is chasing you <laughs> and then he catches up to me and he he runs or he runs next to me and everybody understands it was a big joke yeah <laughs> and then also i if there's other dogs that aren't as trained as he i i have him sit yeah on or off the leash because he's been attacked twice on runs oh um, i mean nothing bad has happened i've always intercepted the attack yeah. But I I take him off a leash largely so he can get away. Yes. Yeah. Should he need yeah. to get away. But, yeah. It's sad, isn't it? I, I mean, I hate to hear this. And, and the, we've got issues in the UK at the moment. And I hate to hear about, well, I hate to hear about any dog attack. But, uh, you know, a dog on dog attack. It just worries me because our dog is a very small German Spitz client, like a little Pomeranian. And I just think, oh, my goodness, if she gets attacked, 
you know, she's so small. She right. she wouldn't stand right. a chance. You know, and I was the same. To be honest, I was the same with the Labrador and, and all our dogs. I was. Yeah, but you they're just bigger, don't. you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be they, fair, Buddy was a little bit better. Yes, well, Buddy had big uh, sort of lot of spare skin, if you like. <laughs> he was like a size, right. yeah, he was like a size twelve body, a size sixteen skin kind of thing. And um, so he was actually bitten. It was a it was a terrier, so it wasn't as big as him, but it really went for his his um, neck. But it didn't damage him, luckily. Luckily, Good. so they are a bit more um, substantial. But it's um, I, I just think. It's responsible dog ownership, isn't it? If you're going to let your dog off lead, you make sure that either you can recall them or they're friendly or you don't just let them go and happen what what may kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, he's he's never attacked another dog. He's yeah. he's he's protective of the of the threshold to the. Yeah. But beyond that, he, he you know, as long as we're outside, he, he doesn't care. Yes. You know, he's got yeah. his own thing to do. He's got his own agenda. Oh, bless him. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> but that I mean that's that's his job, isn't it? That's his heritage. So you've talked about you you walk and run with him. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find that sort of inspiration strikes while you're on the dog walk or run? Is that when you oh, do something oh you're thinking? Gosh, yeah. That's one of the reasons we do it. You know, one, he, he gets exercise and mental stimulation, which he needs. Yeah. And two, I get to actually just let my brain wander. Yeah. So we follow the same same pattern you know we don't strike out if if i'm just letting my brain go i'm not i'm not going to strike out on a new hey we'll go left up here this time no <laughs> we're going to go the same way we always go that way he can find me also he's lost me a couple times <laughs> you know and he starts he gets a little nervous when that oh happens. bless him yeah. yeah so anybody running you see he attaches himself to anybody running until oh. he finds me <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'll run along with you for a bit until I find until I find Dad. Yeah, oh, bless him. Now, mental health is is a is a theme of your your book. Certainly, the the drunk love books. Now, do you think that dogs support sort of our, our, our mental well being? Oh, I I think that's been proven time and time again. Don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I do. Yeah. 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 You know, he when I'm writing, he he'll lay his head on my feet. If I'm writing out now, which you, which you can't see at this direction is my couch. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, he'll lay on the couch next to me. You were both happy with that situation. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think dogs kind of settle into your routine and, and sort of normally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about sort of a, a young puppy. You, you have to sort of cut them some slack, but when they are, and an, an adult, they sort of get used to, okay, mum or dad does this, does this, I have to settle down now, you know, and generally they just like, I mean, Buddy used to love, my Labrador used to just love, okay, you've settled down, you're going to sit still on the sofa or at your desk, that's great, I'll lie on your feet or I'll lie on your lap, this is going to be, you know, good. But I think as well, it's quite good to have a dog when you write because you can spend hours and hours and hours just sitting here quite intensely and sort of mentally intense activity but physically you're not doing very much and i right. think by the then the dog is like look can we do something can i even if it's just a toilet break you know they break it up for you don't they well the um you know he's this i'm sure the smartest dog i've ever had mm. so one of my i live in a multi-unit building yeah and I, uh, I take out the trash cans on the night they're supposed to be taken out and he knows 
that his job is to sit there and wait for me when I do that. So yeah. we combine it with a walk around the block or a couple of blocks and, um, and he'll just, you know, he'll, he'll s- slow down his walk, sit down. I get the trash cans. I put them where they belong. I come back and then he stands up and lets me take his leash. Oh, yeah. yeah. They like so routine. He gets, so he, he gets the, he does get the routine when he was a puppy. I, for him, I had to teach him how to calm down by putting him in a kennel. Yeah. Yeah. And with a blanket over it. Cause that was the only way he was going to be able to calm down. Yeah. He was, he's, even now, it, it's, you know, seven years later, he's super interested in whatever's going on around it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh. World, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can actually say that. I can remember the first time that we'd gone out for a walk with Buddy. We came home and we wanted to sit and do a jigsaw. And he just settled down under the dining room table. And I can remember thinking, Oh my goodness, he's actually, you know, we're, we're actually doing things as a family. He's actually settled down and calmed down. He had, he did have a crate as well. But yeah, that, that he'd actually settled without being made to. And I was like, okay, okay, you know, we're going to get there. <laughs> this yeah. will be okay. But yeah, I think that it's a joy when you can sort of go and be active with them, you know, give them their, meet their needs and then come home, settle down and, and, um, just enjoy chilling. You know, I think that's a joy, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah. 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 Oh, bless. It says in your um, about you info, one of your hobbies is finding new and creative ways of tricking your children into answering their phones. <laughs> now, obviously, that's lighthearted. But I think dogs kind of sit in a similar part of your heart to your children. So, I mean, do you think that Brody is a bit like a child who will never leave home and, if you like, always answer his, answers his phone? <laughs> <laughs> well, he would be calling me. <laughs> yeah, he would yeah. be annoying if he knew how to use a phone. <laughs> I thought about teaching him to get me a beer out of the fridge, but <laughs> then he'd just be doing it for himself, you know. Uh, well, this is just, you might no, he, you might become alcoholic then, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, in my head, he's uh, they're like seven year olds. Yes, yeah, and and then the forever being seven, you know, yes. they're gonna. They're smart to uh, with, and they're not cynical. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so like a seven-year-old, they have, they have a certain level of intelligence that, w- and then that's as far as the dog's going to go. Uh, you know, learn, rote learning, and there is some thought process. I'm sure there is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to, you know, solve, you know, how to get to Alpha Centauri, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're brilliant at what they do, aren't they? And I, I, yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. yeah. I think of the story of, uh, you know, whenever I watch a show about dogs, you know, at some point, some wolf gets closer to the fire and the caveman gives him some meat. And that's the beginning of a long and happy relationship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I often think, how different would the human race be if we'd, palled up with domesticated whatever you want to say if we if we domesticated cats or if cats had taken that role rather than dogs how would that have changed us because it would have been and how how would dogs be now and how would cats be now do you know if if, if it had been a cat that had crept into the fire and we palled up with them i think we'd both be very different well we wouldn't get as much exercise for sure (laughs) 
<laughs> could be, could be. Well, we might be having to climb up trees and keep up with the cats. If we... <laughs> right, well, a lot more song the songbirds wouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Cats would have killed all those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, and it would have changed our nature, I think, maybe if we'd, because I do think we've sort of grown alongside our dogs and maybe, maybe some, you know, they're, their traits have rubbed off on us and improved us, maybe. I don't know, but um, just an idle thought. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I, you know, I, I tend to like dog people. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're of a type. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because we have cats as well, but it's definitely for me. I, I guess I understand our dogs more. And I, I just, I feel like, you know, for me, when the doorbell rings, the dog's there right beside you going, I'm with you, I'm with you, you know, we'll face this together. And the cats disappear and go, you're on your own path. <laughs> you know, that for me is one of the, the big differences. But but Jenny, my daughter, is, she said they're both on a path for her. The dogs and the cats are absolutely level. And she perceives the cats very differently from how I would describe it. But it's it's quite quite interesting. But I think, you know, I don't know whether they they it's just a different relationship, but um I think whatever animal you live closely with, maybe you you begin to know them better. I don't know, but it I for me it's a very different relationship and and, and it's the dogs are sort of up there for me. But um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean I like I've, cats just fine. Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I don't have the same relationship. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, we we I mean we're getting off track now. But I, we've had rabbits and rats and all kinds. And and if you if you give them the space to make their own decisions and have that, those little um, make their own life, if you like, we had like, rabbits that were loose in the laundry. They, you just see these little characters, and it's it's very well, rabbits are tastier. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm I I'm not sure whether I'm leaving that in or not. <laughs> That's the first strike. <laughs> <laughs> we had ducks we had indian runner ducks and one of my mum's friends said um oh can can you eat them and i just said no you cannot <laughs> you certainly can't we ate the eggs but we never ate them but there you mm. go um okay. oh yeah yeah but they, they they were very good eggs they were now first date which was the book i've reviewed of yours and it's like you can find that on the broadcast radio uh site um that's the second book of the drunk log series yeah and as the press release says, phone apps and, and swipes are nowhere to be found. Instead, two people brought together by extraordinary circumstances get to share their story of a second chance at life and possibly love. Um, I really enjoyed it. So tell Thank us you. a little bit about Jack and Aria. Uh, well, if I if I go back to the beginning, you know, um, with Drunk Log, the, um, the she's a bartender um, and he lives in the building that the bar is in yeah um and so they know each other they see each other regularly but um you know he when he decides that he can't stand the guilt of being responsible for the death of his nephew anymore which a year after that occurs he decides to he's gonna commit suicide and throw himself off a bridge yeah and, uh, and write about it as he goes around the neighborhood hitting bar after bar now, when initially when I f- first started writing uh, this this story, she she was a side character, but then I just fell in love with her. So she became such a big part of the story 
So she goes out, she suspects, she gets a look at a couple pages, which don't say anything about, she just gets a sense of something bad is going to happen. And so she went after he leaves her bar, she calls in another bartender to take over her shift and she goes searching for him. And that, that those two trails around the neighborhood hitting bar to bar is the story of drunk log in yeah, the first book. Yeah. And that, and that story ends with, uh, did you read the, did you read drunk log? Okay, I, I haven't read the first one. Don't give away the end. They survive. <laughs> they, they go into the water. I won't describe how or why, but they go into the water and they survive it. And then that's the beginning of book two as yeah. they're crawling out of the Ohio river. So, um, which you, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's a pretty big river. Yeah, I bet. And, but better, bigger than not better, bigger than our seven river here. I bet. Yes. <laughs> well, the it uh, I think it doubles the flow of the Mississippi when it makes it to the Mississippi. Wow, it's that much water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you know, it's no easy task to crawl out of it once you're caught in it. Um, but each book then is eight hours of a twenty-four hour period. Yes. And yeah. so first date is the next eight hours. And, and in it, because in book one, they don't really communicate with each other. She's just trying to track him down. And she does eventually at the end. But uh, book two is where they really begin to learn about each other. Yeah. If, yeah. if you recall. Yeah. Oh, yes. So yeah. They get to talk and actually communicate with yes. each other. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 One of the things I wanted to say, because it does, as you say, it, it does deal with the the book does deal with suicide and quite heavy subject. But the first thing I want to say is it it kind of reflects human nature because bad things happen in life, and we yeah. don't all curl up in a corner and and and, and give up. You, you you do go on, don't you? And and that's reflected in the book, I think. Well, good, good. Thank you. The um. I, I, you know, we've all had the mornings where we just didn't want to get out of bed, you know, yes, yeah. and, and we've all had thoughts that are darker than some days and other days. Um, and then the problem with suicide is its finality. Yes. Yeah. You can't, you can't go back and get a redo. Yeah. You know, um, because, you know, so you just got to wait, wait it out. And, yes. and, you, and, and, and I just want to pe- to promise people, you know, you will feel better. Yes, absolutely. Things do get better if you let them get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Strangely enough, we were having a conversation. I'm not going to reveal the detail. We're we're all okay. It, but um, it, my husband would say that the problem with suicide is it's a permanent solution to right. a temporary problem. Yeah, that's know? a great yeah. way to say it. Yeah. 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 And men are better at suicide than women. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So far more women actually. So in my, you know, as I was studying up to make sure I portrayed things properly, because one of the things is a lot more men, a lot more women attempt suicide. Mm. um, But they handle it differently. So they often call in reinforcements. There's, they also do it differently. That's more pills and that sort of thing where there's more, you get a re, sort of reversal period. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got, uh, men are, uh, won't say anything to anybody. 
Yeah. And then uh, they appear to be happy because they then experience, once they've decided to take their own life, they experience a sense of euphoria. Yeah. Um, and then they seem, oh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then a day later, they're dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just, again, another difference between men and women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, if anybody is um, dealing with suicidal thoughts or, or trying to support somebody else who's suicidal, there is help out there, isn't there? I mean, it's. Oh, yes. Uh, we we have a number here in the States. I think it's 988 uh, or is the, it's like a 911 emergency call, but it's 988 or I, I think that's what it is. Yeah, I, well, we'll check and we'll put some some, some links yeah. in. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and I but I don't you know the, the simultaneously I don't I hope you didn't find the book depressing. No, I, you know that's that's the weird thing because I mean one of my notes is that you manage to make one of the book settings is a hospital. I don't really like hospitals, but no, you you manage to make it feel comfortable, and I mean. I hesitate to say it, but, but you it's almost cozy. You know, I didn't feel depressed. And now I've actually met Good. you, I can see that see the humor in you and I can understand. But you did, I didn't feel depressed at all. I felt it was interesting. It was, you know, I was into it. I and it and it almost felt cozy, which is a weird thing to say about that subject matter, but it, it did. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow. I, thank you. Good. Yeah. Good. Um I'm glad that that worked that yes. way. Yeah. Um, so I, cause I, like everything, you know, you have, you know, you can't just be depressed on, there is stuff that is funny. The, and the British sense of humor is one that I've always appreciated yeah. because it's, it's, it's brutal, <laughs> but it's, it it's, but you know what, everybody gets it, you know, yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, and the times I've been in England, I just think, man, you guys are kind of mean to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had have had comments from um, my husband and my daughter, and they just, you know, they go, "Wow, you will just go for the joke, won't you?" I, I, I will if I see the joke. I, yep, yeah, I will go. <laughs> and, and you should, you well, should, yeah, yeah, bring every bit of fun out of life. I think, yeah. But they, yeah. So yeah, I know. I, I, I did want to make that point that it's. Because it does, the book does deal with sort of potentially heavy subjects, but it does. It is, it it is kind of a feel good. It's not a feel bad book, is it? it you do no, feel, no. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think in the end, I mean, the first book, I was going to, uh, you know, I, I really debated whether killing them off or not. I was going to go full French novelist, uh, yeah, on them, but uh, decided no, which then enabled me to, you know, write more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, is it a feel good? I think in the end, it's, uh, that would be one way to describe it. It's not, it's not your standard romance, you know? No. It's not, um, who's, who's the guy who always stars in the British uh, romance movies? Da- oh, no, uh, you don't mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Mr. Darcy. He played Prime Minister in. Uh, oh, Love, yes, Hugh Grant. Yeah, it's not yes. it's not a Hugh Grant movie. Type movie. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but uh yeah, speaking of that, I've I've I I've my mom has tried peddling the books to Emilio Estevez. Oh wow. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. But he lives somewhere close by here. 
Oh, wow. He, he, he loves Cincinnati and he has a house somewhere in the neighborhood I live in. Excellent. And, uh, and she saw him at, at, across the street at a restaurant. <laughs> and then she called me. She goes, guess, guess who I just talked to? I said, who? She goes, Emilio Estevez. I, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't walk away. I mean, uh, apparently he was super cool about it. Oh, and, bless. Um, and I said, did you give him a book? She, she lives a block from me. My mom does. Yeah. I said, did you give him a book? She goes, no, but I've got, some. and I said, do you have any left? So she grabbed one of drunk log and walked it back across the street and handed it to him as he was getting up from his dinner. But apparently Aww. he was cool about that as well. His girlfriend took it and said, Oh, look, you know, our, our first, our first book for our new house, you know, Aww. now it may well have ended up in the trash can 10, 10 feet from the corner, you know, but, you know, I thought that was nice yeah. experience for mom and. Yeah. Oh, you know, brilliant. Maybe, Maybe you read it. I doubt yeah, it. Absolutely. Look, fingers <laughs> crossed. You never know. Yeah, he's probably working you just on. Just never know. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably working on with a lawyer now. And how do we get the rights for this from? <laughs> I'm, sure that's, I'm sure that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> I wake up every morning thinking exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dreamer. I'm a dreamer. Why not? That would not be a brilliant story though to tell if that was yeah. true. That'd be brilliant. But I love that because that's the kind of thing that your mum will do for you that you wouldn't do that but your mom would be there going oh no no this is my my son or daughter's book (laughs) and then she saw him about a year later i like just so just a couple months ago and she did ask him did you read my son's book yet and i and he he was honest said no oh (laughs) he's saving it he's saving till he's got really time to do it justice that's what's what's going on i'm sure he's quite busy Oh, now one of the you use a notebook. The, the, um, Jack keeps a a, a notebook, and as yes. you said, he he makes notes of things, and that becomes a really useful device. In well, I mean, it's a useful device for seeing is the the characters' thoughts, but it becomes really even more useful in this book. I felt because they they kind of communicate via it, don't they? Yes, yes. So they that was. That was actually, unlike some elements, that was actually planned. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as they, so as they separate and come together, separate and come together a number of times in the book, they end up using the notebook to talk to each other. Because yes. they don't have any cell phones. They, they, you know, they either didn't bring them or they're waterlogged now. And the, uh, so, you know, they, they have to really go analog with each other. Yes. <laughs> to try yeah. and, uh, you know, keep track of each other as they as they move around the hospital, the hospital and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know you say that. I mean, mean, that's one of the points, isn't it? It doesn't have swipes and apps and phones. It's it's the technology sort of put to one side. Did you enjoy because, as you say, each book is sort of eight hours. And did you really enjoy? Did you relish or did you find it a challenge to slow down and sort of focus on the time like that? Uh, it, it it was challenging, and the the fact that the log itself is time stamped made me, you know, mm-hmm. say, okay, how long does it take to do this particular thing, yeah. or how long could it take, or what's plausible, you know, um, and 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 I I I I loved it and I hated it because I felt, <laughs> I felt it was disciplining me, which I don't like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think it ended up working um, from that perspective because 
it, it, if you're the reader, then you go, oh, okay, this is like eight minutes later or 12 minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least that's how, how I meant it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the books and um, well done on writing them. I think that's a real achievement because so many of us have a book that's a book idea <laughs> that never becomes a book. So that's brilliant. Well done. Where can people find out more about you online and about the books and about Brody? Well, the CIA has a case file on me that I think they've made public, so I can never <laughs> run for another. Uh, the uh, the uh, so actually, there's a couple of pictures. Of, I I I wrote a column for Newsweek. Yeah, called My Turn. I think you you. I've you read it. Yes, very it. good. So there's yeah. a couple of good pictures of Brody in there. Okay. I have a the website markescottauthor.com, um, which doesn't have a lot more information. I, I, I think you've probably covered most of my rather boring <laughs> history. Uh, the, uh, there's, you know, a pretty standard existence. I've survived this long as you can. <laughs> the, uh, um, but yeah, the, there's really, other than my website, I think that if you go to my publisher's website, you can click on, you know, go to authors and click on me there. And I think they have some, interviews like this and stuff that they've they've posted there um but no uh i i I can't think of other than reading the books you know you kind of learn how my brain works i guess yes yeah you can stand it (laughs) (laughs) i can recommend it i can recommend this just occurred to me but do you ever see yourself putting brody in one of the books that yeah i've I've thought about that yeah Uh, because he's such a but then i feel like it People are, especially a book called Burning Buildings, which I had self-published before the yeah. books you read came out. Uh, and it's written in first person. And people go, is that you? Is that you? You know, if I put Brody in the book, people are going to go, oh, that's definitely you. <laughs> you know, you're the one who wrecked that car in, into all the other cars because you were drunk driving, you know. <laughs> but that never happens. No, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> but uh no, I so I've thought about trying to have him as a character, but I'm not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah, because yeah. The two books that I'm working that I've started writing that I want to fin- still need to finish. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, neither neither one of them really works with it with a uh, except as maybe backstory. Yeah, but yeah. not an active role in in the action yeah. of the of the book. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a good think, question. He's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, you can only write what comes to you. Yeah, what, you know what inspires you, and what comes to you. So, I mean, maybe one day that will, you know, you'll think, oh, it, yes, it might, I can. I, but I, he's in some short stories. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you go to my uh, that website, it's sleepingatthewheel.com. dot um, and he is in there along with some pictures. Uh, I don't know if you've read any of that, but like. When Taylor Swift was in town, yeah, I was running downtown with him, and we had to avoid all the Swifties. <laughs> yes, and they were very friendly and very excited and all all glittery. Oh, two or three in the afternoon, and um, so that was a story. It was uh, <laughs> me, Brody, and the Swifties. I think was the name. Of- <laughs> we will put so, a link. So on- he is in some short stories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I'm just fighting his corner. I, I know he wants to be in. <laughs> he wants he to be in your literature. He, he loves reading. 
Yeah. Uh, and he's trying his hand at writing a, you know, a poem. Excellent. But he's a talented dog. He has a problem holding it in his palm. <laughs> you have to get him an iPad. Right. <laughs> iPod, you know. See if, he, see if he figures it out. I think yeah. he's probably happy not being a reader. Possibly, yes. <laughs> he's got enough to do looking after you. <laughs> That's the feeling right. I get. <laughs> Um, thank you ever so much, Mark. I really enjoyed it. And thank you, best Joy. of luck, because this is a series, isn't it? So you, you it's, it's going on. There's one more that'll come out probably in the next within the next six months, and that'll be it for that series. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. And that's scary then, because then you have to think of the next series. I I mean, I don't think I'll I mean I, I don't write this down, but I don't think I'll write another series. I think I'll stick with standalone books. There, yeah. That way I don't have to remember so much. <laughs> <laughs> it is the logistics of it. You have to keep a, a folder, don't you, and keep all the details. And yeah, yeah. If only I would do that, <laughs> <laughs> it would be easier. <laughs> yeah. So Emilio Estevez may be in the film version of Drunk Log. You heard it here first. I do think all writers need a dog to keep them company and ensure they actually stop writing and get some exercise. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to Mark, and we have all the links he mentioned at dogcastradio.com. Just before I go, I wanted to share with you a couple of positive dog news stories I spotted this week. You probably know that Japanese knotweed is an invasive and fairly horrible plant which is spreading across the UK. Well, now we have a new weapon in the fight against this toxic plant, because three dogs have been specially trained to sniff it out. Dutch Shepherd Phoenix and Spaniels Nika and Nettle can detect rhizomes, the underground parts of the plant, such as roots, bulbs and shoots. Eliminating these parts will prevent the knotweed from spreading or regrowing. So I guess you could say knotweed will become knotweed. See the first time I said it with with a K and the second time without, like just N-O-T, like knotweed will not be allowed. You see, not and not. Anyway... At Exeter University, students are volunteering to walk dogs belonging to the local community, thereby helping their neighbours and themselves by reducing loneliness and homesickness. A government study from September 2023 found that loneliness is experienced by 92% of students. And of course, as well as the general upheaval of leaving home, many students have had to leave their dog too. So interacting with local dogs will provide much needed canine companionship. I think it's a lovely idea. That's all we have time for. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dog when contacting us by email if you have the facilities please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file that way we can include them directly in our program we can accept most formats for example wav mp3 all these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. What do you call a drug-sniffing dog? A meth lab.